Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to AMR Answers. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimity McDowell coming in from Denver, not with a stuffy nose like you are, Sarah, huh? Yes. (laughs) So I apologize for that. Yeah. No, you are coming in fresh off a family vacation, which I want to hear all about. Oh, I'm coming off of, yeah, it was an amazing trip. We did, it's called the San Juan Huts. And you do the Mount Sneffels Traverse. Hmm. And Mount Sneffels is a 14er. Um, and uh-huh. that's Mason shaking behind me, sorry. Uh-huh. So Mount Sneffels is a 14er, but you traverse it. So you basically go around it. Um, oh. You're not going up it. Uh-huh. So we were between like 9 and 11,000 feet the whole time. We started in um, Uray, wow. Colorado, which is down mm-hmm. near Telluride. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is just stunning. They call Uray the Switzerland of America. (laughs) (laughs) They actually have like a Swiss shop on like the main street with like selling like glockenspiels and lederhosen and stuff. (laughs) I mean, the the mountains there are just like next level, you know, here in the Rockies, like, yeah, okay. But like they take it, they take it up a notch down and they're called the San Juans. Uh And so our, we did the San Juan huts. So it's five days, four nights. So it's four different huts that you go to. Mm -hmm. So basically we got a you know, a lift up to the the beginning. Um, I don't even know where that was, but we did drive by Ralph Lauren's ranch. I do know mm-hmm. that. He has okay. quite a nice piece of property there. <laughs> and uh, we were joking with the, and I was sort of asking what, like I said, they're near Telluride. And I was at, we were joking with the, the driver. We're like, okay, what other celebrities live in, you know, live in Telluride? And it's um, Oprah, of course, has a huge mm. ranch there. This was interesting to me. He said, Daryl Hannah. Oh. And oh gosh, now who's she with? No, no. Uh, she was with him for a long Crosby, time. Crosby, Stills, Nash, David oh, Nash. Na- David or, Nash. David Crosby. Wasn't she? No, well, David Co- Neil Crosby Young. died. With, she, yeah, so oh, he's, yeah, she's, she's with, with Neil, Neil Young. Young. Yeah, let's go through all the 70s rockers <laughs> from that band. <laughs> we'll get there, folks. We'll see, we'll they've got to be Crosby, Stills, Nash, or Young. Yeah, <laughs> he's got four choices. <laughs> he's last alphabetically. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So they have a place there. And I was like, well, what if we run into Oprah, you know, in her hut, you know? And he goes, well, she hasn't signed a waiver, so don't let her in. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. And you should tell people who we are, that it was. We, yeah. So it was my family of four. So, um, so Amelia's 20 now and Ben is 17 and then Grant, my husband. And then we had another family of four that we have traveled with. We traveled up with them up to Glacier National mm-hmm. Park during, um, COVID days, um, mm-hmm. did a road trip and, and got along well, laughed really hard. So that was, that's basically my biggest requirement. And, mm-hmm. um, they have a 20 year old as well. Isabel is her name and she and Amelia went to kindergarten together Aww. back in the day that's how we nice. met yeah uh-huh. yeah and they have a and they have a 13 year old uh girl as well so there are four kids four adults and uh yeah i mean it was just it was just awesome i mean i you know it was hard the first day was really really hard it was eight and a half miles and i think mm. 1500 feet of elevation but you're getting used to wearing a pack so what you have to carry is uh your your clothing of course um mm-hmm. water and food for the day and that night you can get food drops at the hut mm-hmm. so the hut has a sleeping bag it has a sleeping bag for everyone you all don't share one <laughs> there are there are eight bunks eight sleeping bags uh like eight crazy creek chairs so you can sit on the ground mm-hmm. the other chair option is sitting on a stump <laughs> which is outside <laughs> like i will never not appreciate the back of a chair ever again <laughs> Especially at the end of a long day and you're like, yes. oh, I don't even know if I can get up off of this thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then they have, you know, they have a stove with two burners, like propane stove. Mm. Um, they have uh, all the like cleaning stuff you need, a sink and stuff. They don't have running water, of course, but they have, you know, all the pans and utensils and coffee filters. And I mean, it's, so the, it's, but they it's, have like a, a pump or well outside or something. Yeah. They have streams, streams. So you have oh. to bring a water, you have to bring a uh, oh. water filter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And that worked really well. We had two water filters that were really um, big. They could filter each about five Nalgene's at a time. Wow. Um, but, and they give you, and they give you at the huts, they give you these big blue, um, I don't know if they're they must be bigger than gallons. I don't know, but big blue vessels for carrying the water back and forth. It was very mm-hmm. like little house in the prairie, like, oh, we got to go get our water. <laughs> Come on back and then we'll filter it. So anyway, so the, and, and it was, I mean, so the first day was just, I won't go through every day, I promise. But the first day, because of all the snow that we've gotten, the snow and rain here in the mountains mm-hmm. in, in Colorado, apparently like it is just knocked like it coming down knocked down a bunch of dead trees oh and mm-hmm. so the the trail is not was not very um clean shall i say mm-hmm. like there were a bunch i mean and i and i'm not like a bunch meaning like probably 200 Ooh. trees that you either had to like go over or under, no. maybe not 200 maybe it was 100 but it felt like I was like, oh we are gosh. in a game of pickup sticks. Like, we are never getting out of here alive. <laughs> ben was like, reset the matrix, reset the matrix. <laughs> so it was that made it super challenging because, yeah. I mean, so you have your backpack on for the first time, right? Like, it's uh-huh. it's not super heavy because you're not carrying everything for camping, but it is, you know, heavier than what you would typically wear. And, you know, going, so we, you know, we were team Davis that, you know, uh, I put up a picture on Instagram and was like, Dimity, you look short. I'm like, yeah, a little bit. I'm the third shortest in my family now. And, uh, so we were, so we were like, okay, well, we can get over them. Like we can throw our legs over them. And then the other family that was with us is a little, is, is, you know, a little bit smaller, shorter than average. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that was like, they were team, like the the ones that you had to go under was for the other team. We were team Davis. Team limbo. Yeah. Team limbo. Exactly. (laughs) And there were some that you had to like, you know, take off your pack, 
you know, and then put it back on and you're down on your knees and you have to stand back up and it doesn't sound that bad, but it really, it wears on you. It slows you down. It slows (laughs) your weight. Well, I mean, it's not like you're moving fast to begin with. You're moving maybe at like a mile and a half an hour, maybe two. Um, Uh But it just like, it just, we were just tired. By the time we got Uh there, we were like, OMG. Um, (laughs) So thankfully that first night, our dinner, we had um, Beth, my, my, the mom on the other group, my friend had suggested, um, freezing like uh spaghetti sauce and then oh. like just letting it thaw in our pack with with mm-hmm. like hamburger in it and then cooking the pasta there so dinner was really easy that night and that was that was my night we all took a night for dinner <laughs> so I had, <laughs> I had it easy that night but um but yeah I mean other than that I mean it was just it was just stunning I just can't even tell you like it was my idea of vacation perfection in the way that like you are in a little contained group so like not a lot of interaction you know like mm-hmm. not having to you know, b- navigate big crowds or stand in lines or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything, I mean, you're just, ca- you know, you, you've got your meals planned, your lunches, your breakfast, whatever, like there's no meal planning at that point. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, you get up with just the idea that you just have to get to the next hut before the end of the day, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just, you know, and it's fu- so, and, and most of the other mileage was, um, I mean, that was the hardest day uh, that, you know, the other days were between like, say like four and seven miles, mm. maybe a little bit more, but not so like we left our cabins or our huts usually at about 930 and would be at the other one anywhere between like one and three. Oh, and, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, so, but, and with plenty of time, I mean, we stopped a lot for snacks. We stopped a lot for anytime there was like a cold mountain stream, we stopped, First mm-hmm. time, I'm like, oh, I don't want to take my boots off and put them back on. Like, that's such a pain in the butt. And uh-huh. then, like, you know, like within like two minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm taking my boots off. So every time <laughs> we got to like a, a significant stream, uh-huh. we would do that. The wildflowers were just going off. Mm. I mean, mm. it was just, and we had perfect weather. I mean, it was hot for mm-hmm. for being there, especially because you're up so close to the sun. Mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of clouds, but there were no thunderstorms in the afternoon. So. Oh. You know, it was one of those times where you're just like, wow, everything just clicked. And the kids had such a great time and there's no Wi-Fi. So Mm -hmm. we had our phones out for pictures. But other than that, I mean, it's not like we had like deep conversations on the trails, but we didn't, you know, I wasn't like, can you hear me? Did you hear what I just said? You know, (laughs) you know, when they're like scrolling and I'm like, no response. I'm like, so did that go in one ear and just stay there or what happened? So whatever. Oh my gosh. Did you ever get above tree line? And so then there wasn't the problem of downed trees. Oh yeah. So the down trees was only that first day. And then after that, like they were, the the trails were really well maintained and we were in meadows and stuff like that. Oh, how pretty. Yeah. And part of the reason why, the trees were not um, well maintained is because it's, it's national wilderness land mm-hmm. or God, mm-hmm. I don't, that's wrong. Um, I don't know. It's some kind of national wilderness, but it's not national wilderness land. People are like, Jimmy, that's the wrong, <laughs> whatever they're, they're yelling <laughs> at me right now. But I do know that you are not allowed to take like mechanized things back oh. into that part of the, like there's rules about certain parts of oh lands and so mm-hmm. um so you have you're not allowed to take a chainsaw back there oh, you have to wow. take like a oh my like gosh. a laura ingles wild or something yeah, you know yeah, with like you know a handle on, yeah. <laughs> yeah you grab that and i got the other yeah <laughs> ring, 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 ring. <laughs> yeah so it t- it's not just like oh let's go in and zip zip you know just take mm-hmm. these things down you know wow so that's one one of the reasons and but everything else i mean and any other time we came across a a downed tree which was you know maybe once or twice a day 
after that first day, it was like, oh, mm-hmm. come on, like, do not even, you know, I can't even <laughs> lift my leg again. I know, exactly. Not so, this again. Um, oh, yeah. super fun. Yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I need to uh, look at our Instagram account to see to see the photo. That's okay. That's okay. No, I I would just highly Uh. recommend it. If you have a, I mean, I think our kids were like the right age, right? I don't think, I think 13 would probably Mm -hmm. be the youngest. I mean, Lydia had, you know, a little bit of a lighter pack. Um, and you know, but she did awesome. I mean, she's a dancer. She dances a lot. So she's a great little athlete and, Mm. you know, but you know, I think that that's a good age for that, I would say. And then older, um, but uh, Mm a gosh, I just think it would be just be if that's if that's your family's jam. And even if it's not like, but they kind of tip that way a little bit, I would totally recommend it. It's a San Juan hot system. So mm-hmm. check it out. Mm. Wow. All right. Okay. Well, apropos of nothing, we are jumping into the questions. And uh, this is marathoner and training Raquel, who's concerned about pacing. Hi, my name is Raquel. I'm from Kentucky. Good morning, Bammers. I'm just done with my run. My question is, I'm running a big marathon this fall, and I'm looking to run a very specific pace. And I was looking for tips for running and pacing without having to be dependent on my watch. Um, I'm a little concerned that the my watch is going to get scrambled with all the big cities there, big towers there in the city. Thanks. Bye. So, all right. Well, a uh, little bit of backstory. I texted Raquel to find out which race she's doing. And it turns out that she's running Chicago Marathon and trying to run a Boston qualifying time. Oh, wow. And her concern comes from that she did Monumental Marathon in Indiana, um, in Indianapolis last year. And I guess there's a really long tunnel hmm. at about mile two okay. of that race. And so her GPS got all sorts of wonky in the tunnel. And I think that... Um, I think she was also trying to BQ there and I got the sense that it just completely, you know, kablooied that. So yeah, kind of probably threw her off cause she wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's too bad. I'm sorry, Raquel. I hope that Chicago goes well for you and I'm excited. We've got uh, almost 40 women going to the <laughs> Indy, um, Indianapolis monumental marathon and half marathon and our better together program. So um so we'll see. Hopefully they'll know about the tunnel. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know about it until just now. So. <laughs> Note to self. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, what a great critical mass of people. That's fantastic. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. So I will say that tunnels messing with GPS signals is a real thing. It happened to me quite often when I biked through tunnels. There's one I go through out here in Portland. And then when I would go through one in the Bay area. And so, but I wouldn't be worried Raquel about the lovely Chicago architecture. Yes. There's a lot of skyscrapers, but what I think is rougher is getting a satellite signal quickly at an event with tens of thousands of runners. Like there are at Chicago, you know, all trying to get that signal at the same time. But, you know, I found that just causes a delay, not a complete interference or failure with getting a GPS signal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're probably right. And then it will take a long time to get it to register. I have heard just anecdotally that it is hard in Chicago. Um, oh, so that, 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 that can definitely happen. Yeah. Just when we did a lot of race reports and stuff back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, it might be different now with, with more accurate GPSs. I don't know what you would call them. Right. Or, you exactly. know, maybe yeah, the, more advances in that technology. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah. I definitely think that she's smart to think about that now and let's give her some tips to figure out in case that happens, you know, and it can mm-hmm. happen to anybody anywhere. Your battery could die if you didn't charge it enough. You could forget your GPS. I've definitely heard that. Um, so yeah. yeah. And, and that doesn't mean your race is like going to flop. 
at all. Actually, yeah. and I, quite the opposite, I actually think. Yeah, I actually in, now that you say that when you're talking about a GPS, you know, failure, that's what happened to me the first time I qualified for Boston is the rain was so heavy in Portland. And so it just I couldn't there were you couldn't see the not the face from the outside. It was like there was moisture or something on the inside. So it was just oh, it was like it, foggy. Yeah, 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 it was like yeah. A, a bracelet. Like it had, it had no function, <laughs> no function whatsoever. So, so being able to, you know, nail a pace without relying on your GPS watch, that's a, it's a great skill. I think it's honed by experience or, you know, so meaning time, you know, that it's the 10th marathon you're doing or whatever, rather than your first or second, which I probably doubt that Raquel, you know, I think she probably has a couple under her belt, given that she's trying to qualify for Boston. And so, but, you know, it can also be consciously honed in training, you know, before I had all my back issues. Um, so if I can remember way back then when I was <laughs> training and training and racing more often, I rarely relied on my GPS watch. I, I ran by feel. So do you agree, Dim, that it's a skill that can be worked on? Oh, for sure. For sure. And I know, you know, again, I'm, I, I, I feel like a little, bit of a poser trying to, you know, be like, oh, here's what you need to do because I don't do it myself anymore. But I would argue that it's better to like almost like have your GPS as a backup mm-hmm. and your body as the main director, because mm-hmm. there's just, there's, you know, it's like using heart rate, you know, the heart and soul programs, you know, they definitely like learn to train by heart rate and then you kind of find your zones. But race day is also just a different animal because of your excitement and because of the adrenaline and because of all the things. And so it's, it's like, you know, you have to kind of trust yourself that you know that you're going easy enough, even if your heart rate, you know, isn't in the zone that you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Particularly, yeah, because also if you are continually looking at your GPS, you know, that's a lot over 26.2 miles to always be thinking, oh, speed up a little bit, slow down a little bit. So, you know, so you can do that intrinsically. It just makes for a more enjoyable, I would say, successful endeavor. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So a couple of things that you can do, Raquel, as during training here to kind of get yourself mentally confident to know that you can tune into your body and run the race that you need to run. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, we all have gears. So you need to mm-hmm. kind of figure out what your marathon gear is, your BQ race pace marathon gear is more or less, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really try to like almost imprint that on your brain. Like, what does that feel like? What does my breathing feel like? What does my effort feel like how, you know, Mm -hmm. how many steps, like, you know, just not how many steps am I taking, but just kind of really try to like, almost like make that as like, okay, I know what it feels like when I'm, you know, strolling at the mall and when I'm walking briskly and when I'm hiking up a hill, like I know what each of those efforts feels like differently. Like, Mm -hmm. how does it feel, you know, when you're running easy versus when you're running that marathon pace, that's going to take you to your BQ qualifier Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a couple ways to do that, you know, so if you know that you have a five mile run, you know, around your neighborhood, like go without your watch um, and just see what that is. And maybe you can put the time on your phone or something like that, but don't check it. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, again, like try to get a sense of like, what does this feel like? Where am I, where am I moving in space and how fast am I going? Um, mm-hmm. You can also put duct tape over your watch and again, like check yourself afterwards a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what are some other ideas that you have, Sarah? Yeah, so I mean, I find that sometimes just checking the the mile splits, that helps so that you get at least some feedback. So I mean, I, I can, you know, sometimes we'll put like a sweatband over my, my GPS and then yeah. just when it beeps, then 
you know, peel it back and be like, oh, okay, that was that. That's, it felt like I was going a little too fast. Let me see if I can try to make it 10 seconds slower this mile. Yeah. So that also, if you wear your watch for a speed workout, you can set the display to only show elapsed time so that you're not caught up in, am I running a 902 or a 908? Sure. Um, Yeah. 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 So most of all, yeah, just, just know that like, yeah, I mean, you just, the more you can prepare now and not have to be, you know, a GPS reliant, because again, Mm -hmm. you just don't know, like the only thing that you can control is your effort inside your body, even the equipment inside, outside your body, you can't always control. Mm -hmm. So even Mm -hmm. like an indie with that mishap in mile two, like, Mm -hmm. and if this happens, this might happen in Chicago too, where you're looking down, I would just like kind of either like start my watch over again or hit the lap button or I don't know, but I would try to somehow reset so that Literally, you're not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're not just thinking like, oh gosh, always doing like this crazy math or worrying <laughs> about, you know, how much did, you know, do I have to subtract five minutes or whatever? The mm-hmm. other thing too, is like a, a, ma- a massive race like Chicago is going to have your splits at every, I mean, mm. at least at the major markers, right? At the 10K, yeah. at the half marathon, probably at the 20K. Mm-hmm. 20K, yeah. So I think with all the different things, you can kind of have a plan, you know, have enough of an estimate to kind of see where you are. Yeah, exactly. Have some exterior times that are talking to you. So, yeah. and then one caveat that came to my mind when I was thinking about this question yesterday that if you run by feel in a race, be prepared to have a time range you want to hit. You know, I mean, yes, there are people who say they want to run a 332.21 and bingo, that's exactly what they come across the line at. But that's, you know, few and far between people who can dial it that much or, you know, tell yourself you'll run by feel until a certain point in the race. So I know that I ran by feel in my PR 10K race, which I wanted to run in 50 minutes or less. And so I didn't look at my GPS until the final straightaway. And I missed my goal by exactly four seconds. So yeah, so not not earth shattering. You know, I've recovered from it. I'm okay now. (laughs) Um, um, So but if I had looked at my GPS, say with a half mile to go, you know, I probably maybe could have found another gear and met my true time goal and not kind of had an asterisk in my mind next to that race result. Sure, Um, sure. Yeah. But again, I want to just throw out, I mean, I I don't have a specific instance in mind, but I can definitely say that I've heard more than 10 times that people who have either forgotten their watch, it wasn't charged, like something happened and they weren't able to run with their watch. It always seems to go better than Mm -hmm. worse because you're, you're tuning in and you kind of know where you are and you're much more present in your body. So again, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not saying leave your watch behind, but I'm mm-hmm. Raquel, I'm just saying like, just trust that you have what you need within you and, um, and use your watch as kind of just a guidepost. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. Okay. Well, let's hear from the brands that allow us to bring you this free content. Please consider supporting them since they support us. We'll be back soon with more questions and answers. Okay, so here's Molly looking to mesh another sport with rowing. Hi, this is Molly calling from Central New York. My question is about rowing and rest days, and I figured who better to ask than two former rowers. Um, My town recently restarted our Dragon Boat Club after three years off due to COVID. I'm also training for 
wine glass half marathon in October. My training plan has one mandatory rest day, and it happens to fall on the same day as one of the Dragon Boat Club paddles. So my question is, should I paddle on this mandatory rest of day because I'm not working my legs so much? Or do I need to either skip that day or rearrange my training plan? Thanks for everything you do for women and running. Bye. Well, Molly, three cheers for paddle sports and central New York, the land of Dim, you're my alma mater, Colgate. Woohoo! Colgate, my alma mater. <laughs> yeah, and so funny. I never knew that dragon boat racing was a thing in central New York. Maybe that's also a, a newer, uh, you know, development since since we've been there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's spreading. Uh, do people do dragon boat racing in Denver? Yes, there's one ra- there's one lake, lake uh, Sloan's Lake that I know I've seen it on. Mm. Um, yeah. It's a hugely popular sport here in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, when they hear I'm a rower, they're like, oh, then you can join my dragon boat team. I'm like, nope, mm -mm, two different sports. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. Not interested, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went out once. It is significant. You you face forward. That's one difference. But also it is much more of a upper body. It's almost exclusively an upper body sport. Yeah. And because the seat is fixed and, um, it makes my back hurt just to think about it. Like just talking about it is making my back hurt right now. So. <laughs> All right. Good to know. It was a pivotal scene in um, White Lotus, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, in, the Hawaii, in the Hawaii edition. Yes. Yeah. 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 Or was that, um, was that Outrigger? Because that's different oh, than Dragon that's Boat. that's different. It might have been Outrigger. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess yeah. I've done Outrigger too. I did that for a story for, gosh, I forget what magazine. I did that in the Bay Area. Yeah, whereas dragon boats, they're quite heavy. They, you know, it's not something you want to transport around. And it has, you know, the beautiful figurehead. It has, yeah, actual, for sure. Yeah. yeah I was, I, I was I, going to say yes. an actual dragon head, but d- it doesn't have an actual dragon head because dragons <laughs> don't really exist. Don't uh, exist. A, a yeah. dragon head replica. A dragon <laughs> yes, head replica. yes, yes, yes. So, so I related to Mod- Molly's question because I used to struggle with meshing rowing with training for running races. I mean, Dim, when you and I trained for Nike Women's Marathon way back in, 2007 i was a rower and yeah so that um like i said the difference was was that you know rowing is a full body exercise and so um the dragon boat paddling won't tax her legs and so i think sometimes i would run to rowing it was about three miles away and then run home so that i could combine things like that but um what's your advice coach dimity I mean, I, th- I I wonder how intense the dragon boat workouts are. If they are, you know, two hour long paddles where you come home and you're like wiped, even though you're not using your legs per se, you are using your core, you are using, you know, you're draining your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say be careful about it. But if it feels more, because it is a race, right? They're training for a race. So my guess mm-hmm. is the intensity is going to be higher. Mm-hmm. So I would just be careful. I mean, I, I think you could gauge it and kind of see and maybe she's training for a half marathon and not a full marathon so Mm -hmm. like uh so that's nice that it's not she's gonna not do like 20 mile runs but Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean i would 
I would try to maybe have a rest day otherwise. So maybe I would move my, I would, I would try to maintain one rest day. Um, I'm mm-hmm. just talking myself back. I'm just talking <laughs> in circles here. <laughs> That's what you do on podcasts, right? Um, so on that, on that day, on the day that you do a dragon boat workout, I would also either do an easy run or a strength circuit or something else that knocks out some part of your training so that you can have a rest day. Mm. Now, you know, if it's, if you're, if his thing is on a Sunday, if your paddle's on a Sunday and your long run is on a Saturday, that's okay. Like you can still do something on Sunday. You could still do like a three mile easy run and then go do your dragon boat and then take Monday off. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably what I would do is I would try to somehow again, preserve a rest day somehow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So I like with texting Raquel, that's the beauty <laughs> of a Google voice number. You can text people is that I texted Molly and it turns out that the day after she left this voicemail, she strained her back. I shouldn't be laughing. I just think it was, I was oh, no. that, Yeah. So she strained her back. And so I, I think this message came in and yeah, it came in at the end of June, but her chiropractor just gave her the green light to go back to paddle. paddle or, yeah. Yeah. Drag drag boating. Boating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So, okay. so that's the update from Molly. Oh, I hope so, it's still going well, Molly. I hope that you're, uh, you're still able to be in the boat and train yeah. for your marathon. Exactly. Marathon. Yeah. 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 So, and if people are interested in hearing about, you know, merging two sports, uh, doing more than one workout in a day. I do want to put in the plug that the August 11th episode of our Friday podcast, I'm going to be talking to numerous gals who juggle various sports and running because it just seems there's never enough days in the week to do all the sporty stuff we want to do, particularly, you know, in the summer months. At least that's for the way sure, I feel. For a lot sure. Of the time. Do you know what the other sports are? Do you know who the guests oh, are going to be? Well, so we definitely have somebody doing uh, who's training for, I think, a 70.3. have one woman who does kung fu, is it kung fu or jujitsu, as well as dancing. Like she does a dance performance. And huh. then the other woman, uh, it's not coming to mind. But, sure. but some definite variety in there. That's going to yeah. be a cool episode. Yeah, 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 good. And uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly am feeling it these days with, um, say it with me, everybody, pickleball. Pickleball. <laughs> whack, 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 whack. Yeah, yeah. Sarah, so did you see the article in the New York Times? I'm sure you did. It was on the front page of the Sunday paper about I got, the noise. I got, uh, my chocolate texted it to me. I have yet to read it. I put, I saved it. But um, yeah, I mean, oh, it's, it's causing a lot of contention. I was talking to somebody else who was saying that um, a bunch of courts were shut down because of the noise in a different part of the country. I thought, oh, I thought that was only something they did here in Portland. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, I can empathize with both sides, right? Oh, like if for you, sure. If you had tennis player, if you had tennis courts next to your house and they turned it into eight pickleball courts. Mm-hmm. That would be hard, you know, yeah. but mm-hmm. I also know people who, I mean, you know, it's hard to say like, no, don't get out and play like sit, mm-hmm. you know, go, go do mm-hmm. something else, you know? Yeah. I just always equate it to Jack and I were able to afford our house because it's on a bus line. And so, you know, 23 years later, I can't sit around and complain. I can, you know, be irked that the bus is noisy and makes my front porch extra dirty with all its exhaust. But that's how I was able to afford my house. So, you know, like you buy a house next to a park, there's pros and cons and kids playing soccer make a lot of noise too. It's not the same 
pop, pop, pop. But um, anyway, I do try to um, not curse when I'm playing in a family neighborhood. So that, well, that's uh, good. That's something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's Sarah's concession. All right. Yeah. All right. And it can be tough. Let me tell you, I have to work <laughs> on that one. So, <laughs> um, all right. This is Tara, who's curious about Tales of Pennies. Hi, AMR. This is Tara from Orleans, Massachusetts, also Wayland. I'm a big fan of the show um, and have called in many times, but I just thought of the perfect question, especially for Sarah, as I'm out on a run today. I had um, seen a Tails Up penny, and I'm wondering what the protocol is when seeing a Tails Up penny. I always pick up heads up. Um, I know to do that, and I think it's brought me luck. Um, of course, I'm superstitious like that. But what do you do for a Tails Up? I just switched it over on the side of this bike path that I'm running on so that the next person will see it heads up. But I'm wondering, would it still bring me luck as the tail's up, or did I do the right thing? And I thought you would know. Thank you so much. I appreciate all you do. So I love this question with my whole heart, uh, because <laughs> these are the types of thoughts that swirl in my brain as I run. Well, I love it. So, I mean, so honestly, Sarah, I don't know the difference between a tails up versus a heads up penny. Like, that's something that I wouldn't even notice. So tell us what each means. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, so that if a, if a coin is heads up, it means that the whichever president is on there. So in this case, for a penny, it would be if you see Lincoln's head, you know, his profile, that would be a heads up penny. Whereas on the back, you know. Oh, no, I that. understand that part. But like, what is one good oh. luck and one bad luck? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I see. Oh, I, understand. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I wow, Timothy. <laughs> Heads or tails. I do wow, understand you are so credit card. Are you, do you pay with Bitcoin? Do Bitcoins not have heads up and tails up? Um, so yeah, no, no, no. Uh, when you, you know, see a penny, pick it up all the day, you'll have good luck. That is typically just for a heads up penny. Oh, see, I didn't know that difference. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. This is, wow. I have to really go back to absolute wow, we basics. Really, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so yes, that's what she's asking about. And so I have to say this happened to me just this week, actually, when I spied a Tails Up Penny. And so my protocol has changed over the years, way, way back in the day when I first started picking up found change or finding found change, I should say, I would either leave tails up pennies where they were or pick them up and toss them over my shoulder. So in the hope, I wouldn't go back and see which side they landed on, but I would just, you know, hope, you know, 50, 50 chance it's going to land heads up. So, but now I pick up all the found change I spy because I firmly believe if you pass a penny without picking it up, you won't find any more money on your run. Like the that tails up penny that I saw earlier this week. It's a Sarah rule. Yep, yeah, this yep. Is a Sarah rule. Yep. I picked it up, and then a mile later, I found two more pennies. And in an alternate universe, I ran, didn't stop and pick up that first penny, and I didn't find the second and third penny. And you would be three cents poorer than you are yes, today. That, I, so there you go. For money that I don't <laughs> spend, that I just hoard in my house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I love that she went, you know, she decided to try to give somebody else, tear upside to give somebody else good luck and, mm -hmm. and put it on the other side of the trail. That's another, I think I, I agree with that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I also agree with you. I think if the penny is yours, I mean, I think, you know, put the energy you want into it, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Is that a little woo-woo? If it's tails up, you know what? Then that just means that um, somebody else like flipped it down. Heads, I don't know. I'm making up stuff. I don't know. So, Dim, I thought Tara's approach though, would very much appeal to your Midwestern sensibility. Like, I, I I, thought that would speak directly to your heart. So, Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's like when I was on the Highline Trail, when I used to run, I was on the Highline Trail and somebody put 
I think it was a $2 bill <laughs> just out on the bench with like, I can't like some kind of nice note, like have a good day or something like Ooh. that. Like that kind of thing is just, just makes your day, right? Yeah. You're just like, oh, and it's a $2 bill. Like that's kind of fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I have to tell a random, random found change story. So one time, Chalkley, now this is the second time I've mentioned in this episode, my best friend who lives out in Catskill, New York, she said, oh, I found a dime and she got all sorts of excited. We were just walking somewhere and she goes, oh, dimes are the turtles of money. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what does that mean? And she said, <laughs> she said the turtles, actual turtles, you know, the little fellow with the shell, they, they are yeah. harbingers of good fortune. And, oh. and so, so, and she says that, that finding a dime is indicating that there's going to be good fortune money coming into your life. And so oh. the other day I went on a bike ride for the first time in forever and I saw an actual turtle on the trail nice. and then cute little guy. Yeah. 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 And then uh, a couple miles later I found an actual dime. So, wow. Yeah. And now you're going to buy one of those Powerball tickets that's going to win you $50 million. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that was that was very fun. Really loved all of these questions. And, and Tara, thanks for thinking of me when you saw that penny. So we are in definite need of questions. So please call 470-BADASS-1, which is 470-223-2771. Tell us your first name and where you're calling from. Please keep your message to a minute or less. And if you start your message and you kind of lose track of what you wanted to say, just hang up and call and start all over fresh. You know, don't say like, oh, I, I called before. Just boom, start, start from square one all over again. And that number is in our show notes. So you do not need to memorize it. Boom. Just start all over again. That's what you need to do. That's good, good advice. Um, we're just wondering, do you have a half marathon in your fall schedule? If you're, you know, headed to wine glass or another special 13.1, we've got a program to get you over the finish line, feeling strong and smiling. Take this review from Cassandra, who did our 13.1 run-walk program. She says, this program is really the whole package. Between the well-put-together plan, the videos, and more, it's absolutely the answer to injury-free training and running a half marathon you can be proud of. And Mason agrees. He's shaking his head. <laughs> I love every train like a mother plan I've signed up for and will continue to sign up for more. So head to the program dropdown on our website and check out all six comprehensive half marathon programs we offer. Mm -hmm. All righty. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. Keep those questions coming. We're here with answers and pennies and dimes. And turtles. turtles. What else, yeah. Sarah? <laughs> Drag, dragon heads. <laughs> dragon heads, maybe a little paddling. We're here for you. Oh, did did you um, move something across? There was just like a huge sound. Oh, I just put my one piece of paper. Yeah, sorry, I just put oh, one piece okay. of paper underneath the other one. I didn't realize that was so oh, big. Okay, sorry. Okay.